This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parking or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Well, it's, it's Swindon Town. Rodgers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play. That is that. What a shot. Oh, my goodness. Far post for Shearer. Goal. McLaughlin has it. Oh, deflection. And a goal. Comes to Mitchell. It's another goal. Incredible. Hobble. I will win this league anyway. Richard, he's hit it. It's Cadwell! Harry Doyle strikes again. And a brilliant goal from Harry McCurdy! forward to doing a mailbag and the mailbag will open again but it doesn't feel like we can do this I've brought Dan and Dave with me to discuss Dan hello hello what's in Fraser Digby's mailbag well we won't know for the time being (laughs) Dave hello hello I guess the uh Royal Mail strikes have hit the mailbag hard, haven't they? But it's lucky we've <laughs> something else to talk about. Support your postie. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm feeling a little annoyed because we prepped the mailbag, and we rarely prep these days, uh, <laughs> except Dan, who is the master note taker. But I really went for it, and then at around about four o'clock on Thursday, Pete O'Rourke, the very reliable P.O. Rourke tweeted that Scott Lindsay had left the club and then the rumours started to emerge that Crawley Town were his destination. So he hadn't been ruthlessly fired by Swindon Town as, as many fans wanted. Instead, he found himself a new job and went on his merry way. Dan, that's a surprise. Yes. Um, well, we've with today, the day of recording being Thursday, um, I was kind of resigned to it not happening. Um, I was preparing 
like you for the uh, for the mailbag episode, where we're going to talk a lot about probably why we would like to see Lindsay move on. So when the news broke, um, that rather changed the game. But um, I thought that the wording of Peter O'Rourke's tweet was interesting immediately that he had left rather than you know mutual consent or had been sacked or etc etc so uh yeah and then plot twist we seem to have avoided paying up two and a half years worth of scott Lindsay's contract he's found himself a new club a basket case club at that just about left field isn't it i don't quite see what crawley are aiming for I saw there's there's the article that came out in the Guardian about them today, and it sounds like they are just a bit of a clown show. And I think there was something in there that they wanted experience, and I guess they are getting someone who's older than what they've had. Um, but his experience doesn't. I don't know whether his coaching experience, while wow, that stacks up to the like the the, the guys that they've had in charge, like Matthew Everton or Kevin Betsy, not a great deal more there from from Lindsay's perspective. So it's it's all a bit it's all a bit strange. It's all a bit out of left field. I think it's something we kind of all, well, not all, but a lot of people and a lot of us were kind of thinking would come down the line, but that it would be pushed out rather than uh, I was uh, pull. I was going to say pulled uh, pulled away is where I'll land on that. Not pulled off. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's on the record now, Dave. It's done. <laughs> but yeah, he, it wasn't wasn't a happy ending for him. Hey, hey well <laughs> done. <laughs> well, can we bring in at this point, gentlemen, um, something we we said in the week about um, Scott Lindsay's style of football being like? Um, and you can get the bleepers out here, Rich. Being like the without the climax. So Dave's just continuing that theme. <laughs> We'll move swiftly on. <laughs> Dan, the chutzpah of this as the ner- as the news emerges, it's kind of admirable, I think. I admire it. <laughs> you know, we all were there with our pitchforks, but in the end, the guys just waltzed off with a wink, gone, I got a job elsewhere. F you all. Um, I-, I kind of admire that. It's kind of a happy ending, a win-win ending, because you're with this girl... You're not sure she's the one for you. You haven't really got the heart to dump her, but she's, you know, at that last minute, gone off and found a new fellow all by herself, which is for our purposes. Uh, and for myself, you know, I did want to see Scott Lindsay move on. Yeah, it's worked out beautifully. Dave, it does feel like him and Jamie Day uh, were gambling in a Southampton pub by the docks and they've just won tickets to the Titanic. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's a very appropriate um, a very appropriate analogy. Crawley sound like they're in desperation mode. I, I don't know if the the, the, the the thing that came out was that they're giving out contracts with bonuses for winning tackles in the opposition half or winning headers, isn't it? So maybe there he's on a box entry bonus at Crawley maybe that's what tipped the tipped the uh, tipped the edge in his favor maybe oh this is weird i think this is now by my calculation in the last 10 years so 10 years ago right now we're at the tail end of the decanio era and in that time 12 people have been swindon town manager one didn't get to manage a game even if you take that person out in John McGreal, 11 people, an average of over one manager a year. I don't even know if that is 
a worrying stat or an unacceptable one or just modern day par for the course. But it, it feels like it's been that many. It certainly does. Um, well, obviously, we saw last summer with the change of ownership, um, a steadying of things off the field. Um, I think Garner, as it showed, was a, a pretty good appointment and we had a pretty good season um, to many people's surprise last year. Uh, I, you know, losing Garner didn't feel like it was in our control. Um, so I, I'm not going to mark him down for that one particularly. But yeah, I, mean, I go back to a lot of people's comments, including mine in the summer, which was, you know I, I didn't think Scott Lindsay was the right appointment, especially after weeks and weeks of uh, faffing. So I suppose sometimes you've got to end end that experiment, which which wasn't right. Um, the key bit, of course, always is getting the next one right. Um, and, you know, you look through Swindon Town history, even in the last decade, you know, Kevin McDonald following De Canio was, frankly, a disaster. Um, accidentally getting Mark Cooper, you know, that worked out pretty well. <laughs> Phil Brown following. Um, God, who did Phil Brown replace? Flitcroft. Oh, yeah, Phil Brown replacing Flitcroft didn't have the desired effect. So, yeah, the, the key bit is absolutely getting this next one right. And perhaps we'll come on to what right might look like uh, later in this pod. Yeah. It's also, Dave, the third manager under Clem Morfuni, or it will be the third manager under Clem Morfuni. And none of them have been, He's wanted, I think, one, hasn't he? He's found himself in a situation where the, the merry-go-round is a regular thing. Um he must be tremendously frustrated. Yeah, I guess it's it's in in I guess in in his defence, it's kind of it, it's better in a way to lose managers because they're getting picked from elsewhere rather than having to lose managers because you've got the higher in wrong and you have to bin them out and get rid of them. Um, but it's not like that. We this, like that that eleven twelve managers in a year, however you cut it, it's it's not. It's not symptomatic of a football club that's set up for success. You need stability. You need that groundwork to be put in and a consistent face and a consistent like ethos for a few years to build something. And we're not going to get that if we're replacing managers every six to 12 months. And I don't know what, um, I don't know, like Garner left because he had a better job opportunity somewhere else. There's not much you can do about that. Sounds like Scott Lindsay's done the same. Yeah, and, but and <laughs> Lindsay, I, I don't know. I I'm I'm coming across harsh. I'm I'm a bit sympathetic to him because I think, um, although I don't think he was cut out to manage a side that should have aspirations for getting promoted from the league, I think he's kind of led us to about path where this squad deserves to be so far. But he's not he's not shown anything in terms of the results or the style of the play or some of his decisions to suggest that he could take us any further. So I'm not upset that he's leaving. And I think if we wanted to be more secure in going forward then we need someone else in charge but I think he's probably looking at the Crawley job as someone that's given him a bit more job security than he would have if he'd have stayed at Swindon Town and I guess that's that's his that's his prerogative isn't it it's what he's kind of he's got to look after himself and he's got to look after number one and Crawley it's it's close to home I mean you don't know what money they're offering but you're imagining they're throwing something at it um so again, it's not it's not something Clem can just wave a magic wand and and hope he'd stay. So it's 
I get in some respects, it's kind of the the risks of of just lower league football, isn't it? That there's so many bigger fish, um, either with wallets or with status around that are always um, trying to pry your talent away. Dan, following on from that, you know, we're talking about Clem Mulfooney here, but Clem Mulfooney wasn't the person that recruited Scott Lindsay, was he? Of course, he gave the green light, but the person that identified Lindsay as the right person for the job was Sandro Di Michele. And, well, we don't, we don't know what the future holds for him right now, but... There's got to be alarm bells as to whether he can recruit appropriately. Yes. Well, um, you look at Sandro Di Michele's track record of hiring managers. He's currently naught for one. I suppose, you know, in any walk of life, you don't judge someone on on one thing uh, in a six-month period. Um, you know, we've said about the next appointment being really important. You know, that goes 10 times again for, for Sandro Di Michele if... He's in charge of of the recruitment. We've seen uh, the chairman go over uh, the director of football and Scott Lindsay's head to sign Charlie Austin. Whether that's a moniker for for things to come, we don't know. But yeah, I mean, yeah, just again, go back to the summer. We spoke about there being too much change. It was destabilising, losing Ghana, losing Chorley, bringing in a new man seemingly with a background in the gambling industry and PR, a short stint uh, working in recruitment at Wigan. Was it right to trust him with recruiting a new manager? I think history has shown not. Um, Was some of the bluster about Scott Lindsay being uh, the number one choice was in the building all along? Well, I don't believe that. I don't think we believe that at the time, and it looks even more fanciful now. The reality is we were probably knocked back by... Choices one, two, three, and maybe four. So um, there's a lot of pressure on um, Sandro Di Michele. Um, we've seen, all right, the manager's head hasn't rolled. He's um, he's chosen to go to Crawley by the sounds of it. But um, I suspect Swindler weren't far away from from sacking Scott Lindsay. So there's definitely an element of uh, you know walking before you're before you are pushed. Um, yeah, pressure on Clem and pressure on Sandro if Sandro remains in post. Got to get it right. We had a tweet from Crystal Tips who says, be careful what you wish for, town fans. I'd like to bet we finish the season lower in the table than we are now. Isn't often better when a manager moves on mid-season. Don't let talk of big name replacements fool you. It'll be cheap as chips. I, I think that we talked about this over the last couple of weeks, haven't we? Like, we're sixth at the moment, but we could easily free fall into mid table in a matter of games. So, Dan, I think there's a stat saying where we are statistically, uh, which is much lower, but I know the facts is that we are yeah, sixth. I think the points per game table, if you did it that way, I mean, God, that's giving me nightmare throwbacks to 2020 and COVID. But yeah, on a points per game table, I think we'd be 10th, which I think is a much fairer reflection of. The season we've had under Scott Lindsay, but also, you know, with the outstanding shot stopping of Sol Brin, um, you know, could that situation have been a bit worse actually? So, is tenth 
yeah, a slight overachievement for the football that we've seen under Scott Lindsay over the last 30 games, 25 in the league and five in the cup. On Crystal Tips's point there, be careful what you wish for. Do you see logic in that? Or do you think, you know, the time would have been right if Swindon decided to pull the trigger, even though Lindsay's clearly, he's clearly reviewed the situation and gone, I think I can find work elsewhere. I think, I think there is an element of being careful what we wish for. But at the same time, I mean, this is a classic non-answer, but at the same time, I think it is the right time to make a change and to try and do something different. I was thinking back to last year. So we're not, in terms of points, we're not a million miles away from where we were this time last year. You all know about three, I think. Yeah, we all know how that ended. But I think back to, we had a wobble um, January, February last year, like five or six games without a win. And... Ghana got a layup in Scunthorpe at home and we got a healthy win and then went on a good run of form that, by a couple of up and downs, continued throughout the rest of the season. We've had a wobble this season, really ever since that Mansfield game. And since then, there's been a couple of layups and the, I mean, the, the biggest one of all would have been that Colchester game at the weekend. And there was no sign there of any kind of, changing <laughs> it, like the, the trajectory of this team has been getting worse from where it was like month on month almost and that can be a difficult thing to to turn around and sometimes the the best way to do that is is the um to get a new uh, new faces in charge and new faces um and new ideas and i i i mean this is just spitball in history now but if if we had if if we'd gone into that Scunthorpe game last year and not got a result, does Ghana see out the rest of the season there? Or you know, you get where I'm trying to get with this. Um, Lindsay didn't show that same kind of ability to turn it around, and so he does have to go. Or he, well, not to, he, we don't necessarily miss him, and I mean, you can see the sentiment that that is around. Like it's it's generally um, being being seen as a as a good thing. But where I will where I will urge caution is like I, like I said earlier, Sandro de Michele has built a very good side if your ambitions are to consolidate in League Two. We've got good defence, but very disjointed everywhere else on the pitch. And I don't see a squad of players that's really ability is much beyond 10th mid-table or scraping into the playoffs at best. And scraping into the playoffs would need that extra kind of spark from the from the coaching staff and those extra ideas and tactical nuances, I think I, I don't think we've got at the moment a core of players capable of achieving a playoff feel better finish without being guided by some real real top class talent in the coaching staff, and so we can I'm sure we'll come on to like names we'd love to see and we can argue argue the toss about all that, but I. I'd still urge caution that unless there's some more activity in the transfer window beyond signing the ghost of Charlie Austin, that we might not necessarily see a dramatic uptick in fortunes beyond where we are. Uh, I slightly disagree. I think the core of the squad is mostly pretty good. A better manager uses this set of players more effectively. I've spoke many times on, on this pod this season about my my angst with the fact that we don't have a sort of focal point striker and that is a, a recruitment failure. So you could argue that that goes above Scott Lindsay and that's, I think that's fair enough. The, the Adeloye signing may have been with the intent of having a, 
biggish man up front, but it, it, that one's really foul flat on its face. But what you see with the style of football being so slow and so ploddy um, and the lack of service to the strikers that we do have at the club, Luke Jeffcott, who has scored plenty of goals at League One and League Two level, Jacob Wakelin, who did have a bright start to life in the Swindon Town shirt, you know, the talents and abilities of Johnny Williams, Louis Reed, Ben Gladwin, not really being fully utilised. I think I think a better manager gets more out of this squad. But I agree with Dave that it's not a it's not a top three squad, certainly. I think some of the stuff Terry said on the post Colchester pod uh, resonated. A manager's job really is to get more out of his team than the sum of his parts. And actually we're getting the opposite at Swindon Town at the minute. I think, you know, I could rant all day long about trying to play total football in, in the fourth tier. When you've got fourth tier standard players, I think this style of football is so rigidly possession-based. It's just too difficult to play with the quality of player available to you at this level. And actually, as a whole football club, the the ideology towards what represents, you know, good football so that we can develop and sell players may need a bit of a rethink because there's got to be a bit more pragmatism, you know, that actually winning games is the most important thing and getting out of the fourth tier even more important than that. Do you think Steve Mildenhall even bothers learning their names anymore? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, <laughs> let's hope he does stay. It's, it's nice to have some constants. <laughs> What's this? Phil Brown, Richie Wellens, John Sheridan, whether he met... Uh, job of grill or not, uh, we don't know. Ben Garner and Scott Lindsay, and then two caretaker managers on top of that. Oh, quite, quite. He's seen, he's seen quite enough, hasn't he, Dave? Yeah, he's been, he's been through the wars. I mean, depending on what happens to the rest of the backroom staff, again, he might be old. He might be left holding the, holding the baby for a couple of weeks, which wouldn't be the first time he's done that either. So, yeah, it's good to have him around. At least he's a bit of a constant, a bit of a fallback. And the goalkeeper is performing well. We should say that. Yeah, his, his record with the goalkeepers is generally really good. And let's be honest, Kovash, he's on a good loan spell at the moment, isn't he? So, you know, they're not all going to be winners. So the Lindsay era is quite an interesting one, really, isn't it? So during the summer, it was all very disjointed, pre-season results didn't go to plan, but we don't really give that much thought and then we had that stinker opening week or so where we lost at Harrogate. Dan had a great day trip to Walsall Ugh. and still hasn't recovered. <laughs> and then we, we struggled to, well, we didn't score our first home game against Salford 0-0 draw. And we were just struggling to beat a team and we needed that Rochdale game. And then we got it. And then we went on a decent run. So it's one of those situations where if you look at our August, September, you think this is all right, isn't it? You know, a combination of draws, but we had that run of three league games in a row where we beat Sutton, Doncaster and Grimsby. Then we had a little wobble in October, but there's still more wins than anything else. And then things started to turn in November, which is weird because, you know, we didn't play that much. And there will be fans out there that are saying this is... And it's hard because we're talking about it as if he's been sacked because that's what the rhetoric has been within the fan base for the last week or two, maybe longer. Yet he's he's gone (laughs) 
by his own accord. But a lot of people will look at this in 5, 10, 15, 20 years' time and, and wonder what we were so what we were so annoyed about. But I was not seeing any progress. I agree. I've been looking at his record over the 30 games. And the first nine games and the last nine games were ultimately what stuffed him. First nine games, admittedly, there were two cup games in there against Warsaw and Crystal Palace, but only one win from the first nine games of his tenure. And we shouldn't lose fact, pre-season wasn't adequate at all. Not enough games. Bizarre attitude to... Do you remember all that stuff about, oh, we really want to play fatigued and all this? That really irked me at the time. Um, making transfers late in the window, which not for the first time, you know, you're trying to bed people in when they've only really got one friendly against Cardiff um, to sit in. But anyway, ignoring that stuff, the last nine games of Lindsay's tenure, just the two wins at Barrow and Northampton, you know, a really bad FA Cup exit in there as well. So, you know, whilst there was some better in the middle, you know, other than the Mansfield win, which was stonking, by the way, everything was narrow, tense. I've used the word scabby plenty of times. Um, yeah, just this sort of nagging feeling when we come up against good sides, you know, away to Stevenage, we didn't really lay a paw on him. Northampton at home. Oh, and then some really, really poor defeats lately, which I think have been the nails in the coffin. I'm sure we would have sacked him, but uh, he's walked. Uh, but, you know, crew at home, you know, that really stuck in the throats of Swindon fans. Crawley away was dreadful. Boxing day in front of a big crowd, a real letdown. And then, of course, the worst of the lot away at Colchester. So, interestingly, Phil Brown's last league away game was a 1-0 defeat at Colchester as well. So, it is a bit of a managerial graveyard for Swindon Town. Am I going to be that person, Dave, that that highlights that it was 3-2 when Mansfield went down to 10 men and were <laughs> knocking on the door um, before they, they capitulated? Am I allowed to be that guy? I think so. The same way you're allowed to be that guy that Barrow have got the worst worst run of form in the <laughs> league at the minute. Um, so, yeah, even the, even the um, quotation mark big wins... Have some asterisks against them now in the in the cold light of hindsight. Oh, there are no other big wins than the Mansfield. No, that's, are they? That, that's, that's, exactly, that's the point. That's exactly it. We our record against the top half teams in this division and the teams that you'd expect to be challenging is poor, and that's part of the reason why there was never a sense that Lindsay could turn it around because we always came up short against the better teams. But again, I mean, I, I don't want to keep going back to last year, but just using it as a comparison. We were up, up and down, but we showed we when we went to like the, the Bristol Rovers game or um, the Forest Green game, we could we could do it against against the top sides, and we had we were had a side capable of competing at that level, and we've not looked like that this season. We've looked like a mid table side who had a good run of a lucky run of fixtures in the middle of the season that ran at the ran at a good time for us to be playing the kind of teams that we did and put a string of good run of forms together, but wasn't capable of doing that long-term once the kind of <laughs> going got a bit more tricky. Yeah, even the win against Rochdale at the start of the season, Rochdale was so bad, it was like Scunthorpe last year where you just wanted to give them a hug <laughs> yeah. more, than, more yeah. than celebrate. They were that bad and they conceded, what, it was seconds, wasn't it? When when yeah. Wakelin scored from an error, yeah, it, it was it was one of those, and I know that's that's just you know enforcing my own narrative. But I'll even I'll even go in on the cup games where the cup games like the 
the Papa John's, they don't count if it's if it's to again fuel your own narrative because as I've said previously this season, they're, they're more than happy, the club, to champion the amount of youth players playing these games. But results don't matter. But it's a competitive fixture and it goes against your stats. So it is damning. And, and you know, in the last week, we've been highlighting how close Lindsay was to the Brown era and how nobody lost sleep, shed a tear when he left. And it was getting to that level. And... Even going back to what Crystal Tip says, I just think we can't spend all this time as fans just being like worried about the worst case scenario because last season Garner got lucky in many ways, but he still didn't achieve what we needed to achieve, which was promotion. And I know it was against all the odds, but it was there. And this year, the division is so bad, and we're contributing to that, Dan. It's so, so bad we should be competing a lot better than we have been. It's worth the gamble because if we finish mid-table now, it's what we kind of expected under Lindsay and our predictions at the start of the season dictate that. But you never know. A a new methodology might have a positive effect. Yeah, so just to address those comments about being careful what you wish for, forget all that. Was Scott Lindsay the right man for the job? I think the answer in the summer for me and others, was no. Here we are in January. Does he look more now the man for the job? No. Has there been any sort of trend that gives you an inkling that he could turn things around? No. No, In that last nine games of his tenure, which I mentioned, five failures to score. The last four home games, so November and December, two draws, two defeats, two goals scored. It's not good enough. I, sorry to go all arrogant and football big-headed, but Swindon Town in the fourth tier, the only objective every season should be promotion. I sat here in a real terms, 10th position. It's not good enough. The best time to sack him was July. <laughs> the next best time is right now. <laughs> I don't know. I know he's walked, but like I say, it's worth the it's worth the dice roll. Right now, sat here, managerless, you've got an opportunity to go out there and get the best manager available. And that is exciting. It it does feel like we we've set out to dump someone and we've been dumped and we're we're getting our words all wrong, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Dave H the Duck says, Does the pod think Scott Lindsay had a valid point or lack self awareness? when he blamed poor and inconsistent performances and results on a lack of league experience of his players. It's his... Who's he trying to blame there? Like, you put this squad together. I mean, with... with I mean, Sandy his hands largely on it, but you're still... You'd still have had some input, right? It's, it, those are just excuses of a kind of scrambling man, I think. I don't think he can... It's just the kind of stuff you say, isn't it, as, as, a, as a manager when you're kind of running out of ideas and you don't really know what else to say in an interview. Yeah, some of the players are young, but it's like we've... I, I think Terry touched on they're no younger than the teams at the top of this division, so age doesn't, age doesn't matter. And there's still plenty of experience in that side who should be able to guide the inexperienced players through through anyway. I mean, you'd look through each each line of the... Maybe apart from up front, but you've got McDonald at the at the back. You've got 
Gladwin, Williams. He's not been without experience in any of his games. You know, if one's not played, there there have been options, and he's kept one on the bench. You know, up until recently too. So yeah, I, I don't I don't really buy that. Dan, do you? No, I would like to reject that notion as well. Thank you. As Dave's touched on, you know, in the spine of the team there, you've got well not only age but quite a lot of football league games or professional games behind him. Even Sadu Khan and Louis Reed at 27 and 25, you know, a couple of guys there who've played 200, 250 professional games. Jeff Cott at 23 is a quite an old 23. And then, you know, some of your out of statesmen, Williams, Gladwin, McDonald. Yeah, I, I don't buy it. I think that now on reflection looks like a, you know, quite a blatant swipe at the the people who did the recruiting, perhaps from Lindsay, who knew how the next week might play out. Well, the people that do the recruiting are still at the club and there's nothing to suggest they're going to be leaving. There is a little bit of noise, but do you really do that at this stage of the season, right at the start of a transfer window? Do you can the person that you would expect to have been identifying targets for the last two or three months? seems a you know it seems a little far-fetched it would be a hell of a dice roll considering that Clemofuni is a owner based in the other side of the world we we have to trust potentially Sandro Di Michele to make the right call here I bloody love the merry-go-round but I'll be I really want it's got to be quicker than last time hasn't it yeah no, absolutely. I mean, we can't be going into March without a manager. Um, I don't think Di Michele's covered himself in glory with the business he's done so far, but by this other token, you you can't hire people in that kind of role and then just decide to bid them off after six months. So I think we are kind of, we do have to just trust the process to some extent and trust that there are targets lined up and the fact that we don't actually have a, a head coach in place won't derail that because there's there is a risk now where I mean we're acting as if the club were lining up to sack him, but if there's no replacement in place, I'd argue by start of next week, then it I'd suggest that suggest that the club wasn't really looking to sack him because they they'd they'd have had ducks in a row already. And if we're going towards the end of January without a head coach in place, does that does that derail any kind of transfers that you want to bring in because players don't want to come to a club where they don't know who will be managing them and does it also derail any kind of the kind of negotiations for bringing a new manager in place because they don't want to necessarily join a join a squad that they don't know what it will entirely look like so it's it's quite a delicate time you'd hope that there'd be contingency plans in place and they'd have like a, a short list that they regularly review for if this kind of thing happens um but it has to happen fairly quickly, I think. I know we're, we've got the benefit of a free weekend, which which helps, but it has to happen sooner rather than later. To give you an insight into the uh, the deep underground of in the know, <laughs> <laughs> what's the best way of putting this? I do not know Sandro Di Michele. I've never experienced him. I have never been wronged by him. But the amount of negative noise behind the scenes is quite alarming. Now, some of that could be agenda. Some of that could be not true. Some of it could be absolutely true. Some It's just one of those things. That's what the rumour mill is, right? You know, it's, it's all sorts of noise. But one consistent is there's this, there's this disdain for Di Michele. And again, that might be all nonsense. And... Dave's quite right. I'm I'm going on this assumption that 
you know, his his role is is in jeopardy at Swindon. But there's nothing to suggest that. It's just what the rumor mills say of him. They don't say we think he's gone or he's on his way. They they pretty much say they don't like him. And so I guess I'm 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 mis- I'm misinterpreting what what's being said there. But this is a huge moment for Swindon because. If he gets it, gets it right, we go back to where we rightfully belong, which is League One. But if he gets it wrong, it's another season in League Two with bigger teams coming in from non-league and a couple of useful teams coming down from League One, almost certainly. So it doesn't strike me. Like we were saying in the last pod that this is the perfect time. And in in a micro sense, Right now is the perfect time to have a managerial change because they haven't sacked Scott Lindsay. So right now is time in terms of the fixture lists to be able to get someone in, people are brought in and and go from there. But at the same time, it must be a complete nightmare too. Yeah, I mean, I think Dave's outlined why it might be a nightmare um, in terms of targets you've got lined up wanting to know who's managing them and equally for that new manager wanting to know what squad they're going to be working with but I I think I would lean towards it being the most opportune time perhaps you know the absolute most opportune time would have been straight after Colchester but what you have got is 26 days left in the transfer window Um, you've got nine days until the the big Charlie Austin return uh, game against Grimsby on the, the 14th of Jan. So yes, speed is definitely of the essence. Um, and I think perhaps, I mean, knowing football people, you know, being stung by the fact that the, the summer appointment did take so long and ultimately they got it wrong down the inexperienced route, I suspect we will see speed on this occasion and we will see someone who has managed before. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean they will have had seven jobs, but perhaps uh, one or one or two jobs. Um, to your points about Sandra Di Michele not being particularly well liked, well, obviously, like you say there, you know there could there could be there could be agendas at play, could be absolutely spot on. You don't know. Um, one thing I will say is you don't have to be liked to be good at your job. Um, Part of the appeal or the apparent appeal of bringing in Sandro Di Michele was this you know, attempt at being innovative with data and removing the emotion from doing business. Um, so in that sense, you know, <laughs> the fact whether he's liked or people think he's arrogant or you know, people think he's out of his depth. Well, try and remove the emotion out of that. The only question should be, does he does he recruit good players? And does he have a good relationship between chairman and manager? I think that is that chain of command has looked strained in the last week or so, given the nature of the the Charlie Austin signing, you know, all being Clem Morfuni. Um I think Lindsay's comments post Colchester looked like a thinly veiled swipe at the recruitment, which was done by Sandro. So yeah, it's a bit, a bit strained at the minute. Um, I think, given we are in the midst of January, I think it'd be probably foolish, despite professional differences, to change your uh, technical director at the same time as you're changing manager. So I suspect if Sandro does move on, 
then it probably will be next summer. Uh, and if he does move on, then perhaps that suggests we haven't got in the playoffs. Um, if we do, then maybe he gets a, a longer stay of execution. I don't know. I did wonder why Scott Lindsay was clean-shaven at Colchester. Maybe he had his interview before. <laughs> well, that'll be our last two managers then. Have interviewed while still in the Swindon job, yeah? Indeed, indeed. Okay, well, let's, let's begin to wrap up by daring to dream. So you're Sandro Di Michele or Clem Mulfooney or Rob Angus or whoever the heck is going to do the recruitment drive. Um, do we continue our quest for a youth-minded coach who might have a little bit of experience, someone in the Manning role? Do we dare to go romantic and recruit a former player legend like Colin Calderwood or or go Charlie Austin because Charlie Austin day I don't think is going to be disrupted against Grimsby I have a feeling the new the new head coach will be in the in the stands for that one I don't think they're going to get in the way of Charlie's big return Um, or do we go for something else or do we go back to the slow and steady wins the race the experienced managers we we dare to dream we go for a name that everyone's heard of what do you reckon, Dave? Uh, I said, oh, I, I try, I try not to get too up or down about this because, a, there's no rhyme or reason for what's going to make a good manager. Yep. I mean, went went through it earlier, didn't we? No one really was too excited with Cooper or Wellens or even Garner, and they all had good season. And b, I don't even recognise half the names who get listed with these jobs anymore. So it's it's all just ex professionals I've never heard of or coaches from like uh coaches from championship league one sides who i've never heard of so i'm i'm willing to just take a back seat a big name would be fun it'd be exciting but realistically as long as they're young have had some managerial experience and are fairly progressive on paper then i'll be happy with that but i mean I wouldn't recognise any names who could fit that bill. I find it far more difficult to know what Swindon Town will go for. It's not felt obvious for for a long time, Dan. What do you dream of, but what do you expect? Um, For the second or third vacancy on the trot, I yearn, not just dream, I yearn for a youth team right back, formerly of this parish. Uh, Luke Garrard at Boreham Wood, who over a period of seven or eight years has done a, a magnificent job at a small club on 900,000 kind of crowds um, to punch their weight in what is now... 900,000? Sorry. 900,000 crowds? 900 dash. A there or there kind of crowds. <laughs> Um, no, they have punched their weight magnificently at that level. Um, you've seen the kind of teams that are at the top end of that league for the last few years. Wrexham, Stockport, Notts County, um, etc. Um, and Boreham Wood are generally there or thereabouts in the playoffs or just outside the playoffs. They've had a couple of magnificent FA Cup runs. Um, and perhaps if you are Luke Garrard and you've been in that job eight years and you've been... I'm sure he's had offers. He must have had offers from clubs in the Football League. So if he is waiting for the right club, then why not Swindon Town? Go and get the best manager available with the best CV. Um, I'm not going to say bring him home, because I don't think he is a Swindon boy, but um, the fact he 
was a youth team player here and came through as a professional. If that helps in some way, brilliant. But I think he's got to be top of your lists. If you're looking for just a, a pure manager, I think some of the other names in the frame, you know, they might not be in the frame, but you know, Liam Manning, who had a, a good season at MK Dons, he seemed to have a big reputation on the under-23s and academy scene before taking that MK job. It's gone a bit pear-shaped this year, but, um, you know, MK Dons, rubbish club. I'm not surprised. Um, I think there's a couple that feel unrealistic. People seem to be getting a bit giddy about the Cowley brothers. Um, I don't think they're particularly good at playing the football part, so it's not going to be that appealing to the Swindon hierarchy and perhaps they might cost a bit as well. Um, do you think there's a, a squeak? We might revisit some of the managers who knocked us back in the summer. I know Andrew Crofts seemed to be credibly linked. Definitely not him. He's in the first team setup now, isn't he? At Brighton. You're not leaving Brighton for Swindon. To no, no, fair. fair. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's, it's probably going to be, if they stick to their guns, it's probably going to be somewhere of someone from the sort of Ghana Manning Ilk. Paddy McCarthy. Which one's he again? Palace under 23s. I guess we wait and see, don't we? And well, that's an initial thoughts pod. We'll be back in the coming days when things are a little bit clearer. Um, until then, Dave, Dan, thank you very much. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. The Lone Strangers is an independent supporters podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club or their official partners. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork was designed by Matt in Singapore. What a guy. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Has a bubble? Well, it's, it's Swindon Town. Town, 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 town. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.